Welcome, everybody. I like the noise at the beginning of a service. I think it's a good thing if we're talking to each other. I remember standing at an event in central Manchester once and we were sharing the space for this event with some music theory tests. And so as we came out, we were told to be quiet over coffee and, of course, nobody was and the noise got louder and louder. And one of the examiners came out and instead of shouting at us, be quiet, he just held up a little board that said, silence, please. And he just walked around the crowd and the sound just dropped immediately. I think if he'd tried to fight it, it would have just got worse. Um, but it's, it's a, it was a little lesson in uh, maybe less is more. <laughs> you might feel that after this service. <laughs> so a very warm welcome. It is rather too warm. I've only turned the heating off about a quarter of an hour ago, so... Apologies. If, if it gets too cold, then somebody signal and uh, Wan or someone can close the windows above you. Um, a particularly warm welcome to all our visitors today, who I'm not going to try and name individually, but you are nevertheless very welcome to join us in our service here today uh, and to join us in the bread and wine a little later. I, f- I feel like my first thing should be a bit of a confession in that I'm borrowing, appropriating or stealing, depending on how you look at it, somebody else's exhortation. Um, we were in South Africa with Tim Genders recently, and he really gave the, th- the thoughts that I'm going to share with you today um, at a little township meeting called Marion Hill on the edge of Durban. And it, it touched me quite a lot, actually. It touched all of us who heard it. And so I asked him if it was okay to copy it, and he said yes. Um, I also, <laughs> this is a coincidence, but I also... Um, did it as a bit of a discussion point at South Lakes recently, and since we have half the South Lakes congregation here, uh, I'm actually using some thoughts that uh, particularly Liz put forward while we were talking about that up there. Uh, I'm also sort of touched by what Mike said last week, Mike Hardy. Um, I wasn't in the service on the Sunday, so maybe I didn't get the the closing thread, but certainly the challenges that he set us on the on the Saturday to audit our lives have a proper look at what it is that we're doing, set in the context of God's grace and the hope that we have because our Lord Jesus is risen. But we we need to challenge ourselves as to whether, in in the context of this talk, we really empty ourselves of us and allow Jesus to fill us. So I want you to consider today letting go of absolutely everything that fills your life to make space for Jesus. Jesus. And this, uh, this verse, if you remember, uh, on the Saturday last week, Mike quoted to us, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And Mike's challenge last week was, does, is that what it feels like? That rivers of living water well up from inside us in our lives. Or do we just, you know sometimes quash those rivers of living water or fill the space with something else. So we're going to start with some worship. Thanks, Liz, for the other Liz, for organising the hymns for this week. They they fit very well, I think. And we're going to start with two songs, and the first one is this. uh, Jesus, I believe in you. Whether we feel confident that Jesus is in us all the time or we're struggling to see him in the light of our own lives. I think that by singing together, by worshipping together, by coming to this place and sharing fellowship with each other, we can open our hearts to God's plan and purpose. 
and more importantly, become more confident in saying the words, I am yours forever. Let's sing these as a mission statement together. Father, I pray that you will write on our faces and on our hearts the joy that we feel in knowing your son, the Lord Jesus. I pray that it will be impossible for others to misunderstand that we have the good news. I pray that in times of trouble and difficulty and ill health, that you will clasp us in your arms and give us the strength to have confidence in you. And in times of celebration and joy, that you will help us to be a strength to others like angels, to our brothers and sisters and everybody that we meet. I pray most of all that you will empty us of ourselves and fill us with your lovely son, Jesus. Amen. Steve is going to come and give us our announcements. Father, these are acts of service to you in response to your love. Lord Jesus, thank you for being by our side and continue to strengthen us as we work. Uh, just to let you know, Steve, this Steve is announcing next week, so please pass anything you have to him in good time. And Christine is providing the care news. And I shall read the care news for our church now. So Gladys is still in Trafford General and her regular visitors are not able to visit her as much this coming week but she's always really pleased to see her brothers and sisters so I'm sure she would appreciate any visits from people here. She has had to have some tests to see why she is anemic. Bill is well and cheerful and at the moment has not had a diagnosis and he is waiting for further tests. Pauline is still in, uh, in hospital in Ashcroft House and there's no sign of her coming home. In the meantime, if people can't visit, I'm sure a few lines on a card would be welcome. Juan has also recently had problems with his good eye and he's been given lots of drops, some of it to be put in every hour. The doctors at this stage say there has been some improvement, so that's good. I've also got quite a detailed note about our brother Steve Proven. So this week, Steve was sectioned under the Mental Health Act and he was taken to Eggleton Ward of the Meadowbrook Unit at Salford Royal. He will be there for at least a month, but he may be allowed visits out from time to time, depending on his condition. Hopefully, this will help him stabilise and move, sorry, move back to being able to function on his own. Trevor and Pete went to visit him yesterday and he seems a lot better than when they last saw him but he did become agitated and angry when aspects of the conversation didn't go how he wanted. If anyone does want to visit Steve, please can they speak to Pete or Charles in the first instance and they'll talk you through what to expect and how it works. Mealtimes are best to be avoided as part of the reason Steve is there is to gain some weight and to improve his health. Let's continue to pray for Steve. He badly needs the Lord's healing touch. And hopefully now he's in a place of safety where he can get the right professional help that he needs. Steve's asked me if I will lead the pastoral prayer. So if there are any other friends, family, brothers and sisters we need to pray about now, please make them known and I shall include them in our prayer. Okay, if you'd like to remain seated and I'll bring all these things to our Father in prayer. Father, we know you to be our gracious and compassionate God, full of love and care. 
Lord, we bring to you here and now some people who are really on our hearts at the moment. We thank you for Gladys and Bill and Pauline and Juan for the example that they give us in their struggles and their sufferings and their illnesses their patience their optimism, their brightness that's good to see when people are suffering Lord thank you that you have brought them into our lives that you bring us alongside them to help them and to support and care for them Help us to be full of your spirit, Lord. We bring Steve to you, Lord. Our fervent prayer is that you break the hold that drugs have upon Steve and the damage that he brings to his life. Father, direct us in the way we can best help Steve. Thank you for doing that already. Thank you for responding to prayer. And when we misunderstand what you're telling us and we do the wrong thing, Father, sorry, but thank you for stepping in and getting Steve to where he needs to be. Lord, marriage is a a wonderful gift that you've given us and it must be a really painful time for Andy and Rachel They seem to have come to the point where that relationship has broken down and they're moving away from one another. If that's the way it's going to go, Father, surround them with the people that they need to help them through it. The children are going to be impacted by it as well, Lord, and that's tough. May we always look to you to be our example, to be our source of strength, to be our wisdom. We're reminded of Val who's continuing her treatment for cancer. Thank you that you've given her a family that is there for her and can help her. And again, anything that we can do, you motivate our hearts to show your love to our brothers and sisters. And we ask you to be alongside Hannah as she tries to work out what she does next with her job. Give her answers, give her guidance, put a pathway before her that's clear to her, that will allow her to do the things that her heart is set upon. I know our words are clumsy, Lord, and we might not always express what our hearts feel, but that's the beauty of you. You see what's on our hearts and you understand what we're feeling. Thank you for being such an awesome God. Amen. Thanks, Steve, and those who prepared the uh, care news as well. I'm conscious that when we have people to think about that have really big challenges, it's quite hard to imagine how we can have an impact and Steve pointed out in his prayer that sometimes the things we do are less than effective and it is amazing you can ask Steve about it afterwards but it is amazing to see how God can work 
his own way when we think, oh no, we've really messed up here. Um, and that certainly came out with, with Steve Proven this week. So if we are to empty ourselves of ourselves, what do we start to fill it with? If we're confident of the good news of Jesus, the resurrected Son of God, our King, and the plan that God has for us, um, then praise is a good place to start, isn't it? So that's what we're going to do now with fill thou my life, O Lord my God, in every part with praise. Angela has kindly agreed to come up and read to us um, about Jesus turning the water into wine from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. John chapter 2. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. Before hearing Tim talk, I'd always thought that was an odd miracle to start with. You know, it's Jesus' first recorded miracle, and he seems a bit reluctant. Um, It seems like he's being pestered by his family to sort out a sort of physical problem rather than a spiritual one. Um, He doesn't really seem very interested in doing it to start with, but I must say um, I feel differently about it now. So he seemed to, uh, to just sort of look around and decide to pick on some objects that he could use to fill them up. And he saw some ceremonial washing jars. Now, I might, I might be wrong, but I'm guessing they were just sort of a random collection of, of jars of different shapes and different sizes. And probably not a plastic one. And probably not glass. But he uses what's available. There's some empty jars 
He needs to do this miracle. He wants to do this miracle. And he uses what's available. Um, The first point that Tim made, which I think is really powerful in that, is that God also is telling us something through this, that he uses what's available with us. So I'm not going to look at anybody in particular. I'm trying not to. But one of us (laughs) might look like that. Another one like that. Another one like this. And another one might be plastic. (laughs) I don't know. But we've got different shapes and different sizes. And God chooses to use us as we are. He's created us as we are. And whatever we do to empty ourselves out of us, we still remain the same, don't we? Physically, our personalities remain the same. The same challenges that, have, that we've experienced throughout our life are still there. We still look the same and we still have the potential to behave the same. And yet God says, I'm going to use you as you are. Jesus says, look, there's some jars over there. Let's use them. And that, that to me, is quite a powerful thing that, that God... Um, doesn't need to change us physically. He just needs us to accept him so that he can change us from the inside out. And I don't know if you've noticed, somehow, reading this for many, many years, I'd never noticed, but the jars were empty to start with. I'd always thought in my head in this story that the jars were full of water and that he changed the water into wine, but actually the jars were empty And the first thing he says to them is that he wants them to be filled, so that's what they do. Now, in their case, they filled them to the brim. I'm not going to do that for obvious reasons. So the first thing that he does is fill jars with water. You know, that verse that we read at the beginning that talks about us being filled with streams of living water, that's a message that Jesus was starting with his very first miracle as he turned this water, this living water, into wine. And we know in John 4 that he describes himself as the living water. If we just go into John 4, um, and where should we start? Chapter 7. Sorry, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and flocks and herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So suddenly this miracle starts to take, for me, starts to take on a whole new connotation. Because those jars are me and they're you and they're empty So they start off empty and they're filled with springs of living water, which is Jesus filling them up. And his challenge to us is for us to be filled with him, isn't it? Those cups are not designed to be empty. They're not designed to be stacked on a shelf in a cupboard. They're designed to be full and to be drunk from. Let's read from 2 Corinthians chapter 
4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, Paul tells the Corinthians and tells us, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. So when we share this meal together, we don't do it just to remember the death of Jesus. We carry that memory around with us all the time so that his life can be shown in our lives. That's why Jesus got the disciples to fill them to the brim, I think. Because Jesus doesn't just offer us a meagre half a cup. He offers us a full cup in our lives if we accept him into us. I think there is something significant in the fact that the jars were empty to start with. I'm just going to read to you from Philippians chapter 3. Paul says what he's talking about He's trying to get over this this passionate feeling that he has, that everything that he had before was worthless, and what he's found now in Jesus is worthwhile. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. I passed over a word in that and read it exactly as it says here. Paul describes them as uh, his his previous things that he's lost as being rubbish. Does anybody know what the real translation should be? You can nod, you don't have to say it out loud. I mean, a a nice word for it is poo. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I treat everything my whole life before, and bear in mind what Paul's life was, it was a religious life, brought up and taught with the Pharisees, knowing everything there was to know as far as he was concerned about the Old Testament law but not seeing in it the message of Jesus. He says, I treat all of that as if I should flush it down a toilet like poo. It's that, that, you know, detestable to me. I put it behind me. It's rubbish. There is nothing in that that is worthwhile compared to knowing Jesus. And the challenge that Tim set us and the brothers and sisters at Marion Hill, was just to think about how you properly empty out those flasks, or those before you fill with Jesus. And he, um, he got some poo, and he, uh, he put it into one of the cups, and he said, stir it up a little bit to make it really unpleasant. He said, right, if I offered you that, would you, would you drink it? It is actually soil, by the way. But I, can't, I can't guarantee what the cats have been doing. But anyway, the point is, you wouldn't touch it, would you? You wouldn't touch it just knowing it's soil. 
So if you leave stuff inside before you pour the water in, what you get is a mix and enough poo in there to make you not want to drink it, don't you? And he took it a bit further and said, look, if I just, just kept a tiny little speck, you probably can't even see that, and I tell you that I've dropped it into there, even though you can't see it, do you want to drink that? The point is that God is saying to us through this first miracle of Jesus, I believe, that he wants us to start empty, to be ourselves, but to be containers for Jesus, for the living water of Jesus to live in us. I think that's a big challenge. If you want to talk about audits that Mike was talking about last week, if you want to talk about, you know, what's really inside here and me being honest with myself and looking inside myself as to whether I am capable of even admitting to what's inside, let alone emptying it properly, that's a big challenge. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. And I'm pretty certain that I'm not capable of doing it on my own. And I'm pretty certain that none of you are either. But we need to recognise that emptying ourselves of ourselves is a challenge that God lays down to us and that that is important for us if we want to receive Jesus. So the point that Liz made when I did this uh, in a discussion at South Lakes a couple of weeks ago was that they were um, ceremonial washing jars so the likelihood is the reason they were empty is because they'd been used when all the, the guests came to the wedding. So there they were standing at the entrance to the, to the wedding feast. Everybody at the wedding feast associated those with dirt because they'd had their feet washed with the water that came out of it and presumably people sloshing back in and out and sloshing back in and out. You know, the water would have got dirty. Now they're emptied because the washing's been done. Now Jesus is saying, fill them up with living water, and he turns it into wine, the wine of the kingdom. And I think that just makes the whole miracle even more powerful for me. The idea that for those people, not only were they drinking the best wine and confused about why they had it at the end of their wedding feast, but they're drinking it out of the very containers that they had their feet washed in earlier on in that day. And I think the, the message to us is, is really powerful, isn't it? Is that God can do anything, and he will do anything, but we have to be humble enough to accept our own failings and to accept that his love is big enough to wash away everything inside of us that makes us that takes us away from God and to then fill us with Jesus. I'd like us to sing about this and to celebrate it too. God, in my living, there in my breathing. This really sums up the encouragement that I'm trying to give you today. Christ, in me, the hope of glory, be my everything. As we prepare to take the bread and wine, let's be prepared to really challenge ourselves and each other to some extent about how we empty ourselves and make ourselves ready to be filled with the living water, the spirit of Jesus Christ. John, will you come up and say a prayer for us, please? Dear Father, our great God of love, uh, we come to you now to, to thank you for that love because you, 
you did something to to try and show us just how much you love us. In that, in spite of everything we do, um, that is that is a failure. You loved us, and you gave us your Son. And Father, we thank you for him, for for everything that he did, everything that he showed us. Father, we thank you for this bread through which we can remember him. And Father, we thank you that he didn't stay dead. We thank you for this hope, because he raised from the dead, we can raise too. So Father, it's, it's this hope that unites us. It's this hope that brings us together as your church, as your family. So Father, help us to remember these things. Amen. I really don't want you to leave with a picture of the muddy water and think that somehow God's power is limited in some way and he can't be clean. We can't be clean in front of him. That's not what he tells us. But the, po- the important thing is that we have to give up the life that we've had before. He died for all, says Paul in Corinthians, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Father God, as we have emptied ourselves this morning of of all those distractions of life and as we all come together in different shapes and sizes fill us now with your love with your acceptance with your wisdom and peace as we now focus our thoughts on you Lord Jesus and on your love for us in giving your life I say thank you for your example of living water which is so freely available and is able to spring up inside us and to overwhelm us. We have thought of Jesus filling up those empty jars with water and making them into wine. Encourage us to be filled with good things as we share this cup of wine together. In these few moments, help us to accept you again, Lord Jesus, and carry you in our lives more nearly, renewed and blessed. Continues Paul, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Thank you, musicians, for playing for us today and everybody else who's contributed to this service. Um, I do like it when we have the windows open and the doors open and you can hear random noises of dogs barking and cars and kids just reminds me that there's a world out there. We're not hermetically sealed from it. We are part of that world. And uh, we have a challenge when we've sorted ourselves out to go and give the good news about our Lord Jesus to that world out there, don't we? Um, And if we're going to tell someone something, then this has to be quite a powerful message, doesn't it, really? I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the Son of God. I believe he died and rose again. I believe he died for us all. And a a prayer for each other 
um, to finish. I was conscious when uh, when I was thinking about this. It's it's really lovely to have somebody interpret a little bit of the Bible that you know I felt familiar with in a different way, and you learn something different. Um, Tim left me with a, a little word at the end, which has made it stick in my mind. Jesus, as far as we know from the prophecies, wasn't anything to look at. He grasped people's attention because of what he was, who he was, and what he did. Um, by the life that he lived, he was beautiful. And ours can be too, if we are known by love. Father, thank you for what you've given us this morning. Thank you for knowing how much we need to be here. And thank you for renewing the spirit in us. You know how different we can be when we're here together compared to what we're like when we go away. You know how we forget. You know how we get embroiled in all the rubbish that we've been talking about in our lives. You know how difficult it is for us to empty ourselves completely. So our prayer, Father, maybe is this. Help us to empty at least enough of ourselves to allow the Lord Jesus in just a bit. Just enough for us to discern what we need and what we don't need. What's precious and what's rubbish. What to focus on and what to push to one side. Enough to know that we love your Son, the Lord Jesus. Yes, we love you, Lord Jesus. Enough to know how good it is to have you in our lives. Enough to want more of you. To make more room for more of you. This is our parting prayer, Father. Amen.